Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Did LeBron James leave everyone a little too much in the dark when it came to his injury return? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Lockdown Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast, it's always going to be free. It's never behind a paywall. Lockdown Lakers on YouTube. That's where you go to see the show and uh, engage with, communicate with, uh, vent with, celebrate with a community of Lakers and NBA fans uh, of 14,000 strong, Andy. Um, and we appreciate all the support the YouTube channel has been getting. We will obviously um, be be loading that up with as much content as we can between now and the end of the season, which hopefully, Andy, it's looking at the least like the Lakers have a much better chance of getting in the play. And you know, there was a stretch of time when it was looking a little bit bleak, You know, right when LeBron went down, all that kind of stuff. I personally am feeling significantly more confident that between the way Dallas is fading – the way Utah is fading, that the Lakers are more likely than not to be in the top 10. Four weeks ago, I wasn't so sure about that. Well, if nothing else, it certainly does seem like the Mavericks have decided uh, <laughs> peace, no out, peace out, peace uh, out, double freedom rockets to this season. They seem awfully tired of each other. Luka Doncic, while acknowledging that there's stuff going on in his personal life off the court, that has been difficult for him this season. He's also acknowledged that the basketball itself has been extremely frustrating. And Kyrie Irving is saying, look, fans want to boo us. That's fine. You know, if, if any of them feel that they're qualified to come down here and play instead of us, feel free. And by the way, I'm, I'm not making that up. That, that no, is that's a what he paraphrasing said. of that's... a direct quote where he yeah. basically said, if, you know, if anybody up in the 300s thinks they can rock it better than me, by all means, get yourself a ten day and let let's ball. Right. I mean, and and, and to, you know, on the one hand, sure, I mean, he's right, I guess, in that sense. But on the other hand, I think he might be missing the point. And like, I don't, wanna, his... I don't mean to speculate on on what's going on with Luca's person. You know, with Luca, Andrew Wiggins. I think we are growing more accepting as we should yeah. of uh, as a sports commentary community as a sports watching community although some fans aren't quite there yet that these are real people who leave unbelievably privileged lives in many ways but they are actual human beings that can have actual human problems uh, that can impact them at work the same way that it does us but the bottom line is the mavericks are they play in indiana um that that game is going on as we record if they lose that one you lose twice to Charlotte and then lose to Indiana with no, um, uh, no Halliburton's not playing in that game. Uh, Turner is not playing in that game. Heald is not playing in that game. So three and, of their five starters are not. Playing. And Luca is playing because they yes. send the technical against him. So yeah, you if they lose them. this one, I think you can you can officially call them cooked. Utah um, is in, uh, at home against Phoenix on Monday night. They're still trying, but you know, Lori Markkinen's been banged up, and Jordan Clarkson's still banged up, and they, you know, that that 
that ship may have run out of it. But the point being, you know, they go eight and five without LeBron. And, you know, the conference continued to do them some favors. They, they got some luck there that nobody really ran away from them. And they still do have a, a really good chance to finish, you know, certainly in the top eight for the regular season to give themselves that one shot to get into the, the big boy playoffs. And it's still not out of the question for them to finish in the top six. Which, by the way, explains, and this is something I've been harping on for a while, and LeBron confirmed really after the game that how the Lakers played without him and his belief in this new roster led to him really trying to ramp this thing up in terms of his return. You know, he said that uh, according to the doctor who is the LeBron of feet, um, his Torn tendon, which this was the first time it had been confirmed exactly what they put a name on it. Yeah, I put right. a, he put language to it. Right. We knew that it was a foot injury, and you know, there had been concerns voiced before by people covering the team uh, about concerns of you know, either a torn tendon, uh, broken bones, something like that. But we had not gotten any exacts. LeBron reminded us in that tweet, I will speak for myself. So I guess it's only appropriate that we learn that it was a torn tendon from him. But according to the LeBron of feet, uh, Dr. LeBron of feet, this was the quickest recovery from a torn tendon that they'd ever seen. And LeBron was motivated to get back on the court because he really feels like this new roster and their resilience combined with a Western conference that, you know, four through 12 nobody has really shown themselves as better than anybody else. No. It's, worth worth it to get back on the court. It is, uh, it's cliche to call it wide open, but it really is. Um, you, know, I, you know what that, that torn tendon did, Andy, in true Le- LeBron James fashion? It tied its shoes up a little tighter and it got mm-hmm. back out on the floor. That's yes, what that tendon did because it's connected yes, it to LeBron James's foot. Um so, I mean, the quote that you're talking about there is interesting, and Jovan Buha has it at The Athletic um, following the game on Sunday. Now, we're sitting a, a, a chance to play to hell with the play-in. We actually might be a top eight seed. I think he meant six, but that's okay. Um, that definitely changed my mind. LeBron so hates becoming... the play-in, so he, he right. doesn't acknowledge that there's any difference. In his mind, it's still one through eight. Right. Um, he's old school. Uh, that mm-hmm. definitely changed my... This is the part that I really find interesting. That definitely changed my mindset on me coming back and trying to be a part of this, obviously. So, well, I don't want to say that it changed my mindset. It just enhanced what I was trying to do as far as my workouts, as far as my treatment and everything. Happy about what the guys are doing, so definitely want to be a part of it. Um, like you can see, he caught himself halfway through that explanation where he says, you know, it changed my mindset. And then he's like, well, I don't like the sound of that. So I'm going to say it enhanced my mind. But yeah, if if they lost the first six games after he went down, he's doing this differently. I don't think there's any question about that. I've been saying for the last two or three weeks that common sense dictates that LeBron James at age 38, 20 seasons into this thing with a billion miles on the odometer and, you know, with all the care that he takes of his body and acknowledging that it's a, it's really like a medical and sports miracle that he's able to play this much, he still has to pick his spots and be pragmatic about these sort of situations. If the Lakers 
you know, with five games left in the season, had like a 7% chance of making the 10 seed if they went 5-0. and LeBron's not stepping back on the court, and I don't blame him. No, no, it's stupid. I mean, that's it's, it's flat dumb. Um, and so, you know, you could see him sort of massage that quote because like the optics of it, like, yeah, these mother bleepers had lost six in a row. I'm not coming back for that. Like, it doesn't sound right. But you know, anyway, I don't mean this here. to. I don't mean to question. Like I'm sure once he saw that they were playing well and that you know that they could continue to play meaningful basketball in the spring, and then he's not. He sees the same Western Conference that the rest of us do, and you know Denver. You know, yes, I would pick Denver to definitely beat the Lakers in a in a seven game series. But the wrong guy turns an ankle. You know, something strange happens or whatever. Then. All bets are off, and you're not rooting for that, but it, stuff happens. And, you know, the, Anthony Davis gets hurt in the Phoenix series, and that changes the way that the whole rest of the playoffs runs. Um, and after that, you know, is Sacramento really good? I think they are. Would I be like, it's like, oh, well, those guys are going to beat the Lakers? No. I mean, you know, Memphis, I wouldn't, I would probably pick Memphis to win against the Lakers, but I wouldn't. Like it's not like a 90-10 kind of thing where it's just like this is over in four. Um, that'd be a real series and everything after that, forget it. Like, so um he is definitely seeing what the rest of us are, and the Lakers really do have a legitimate shot finishing the top six. And if you can get in to just make some real noise in the playoffs, it is not out of the question. But Andy, did LeBron kind of do his teammates and his organization a little of a disservice? on Sunday with how he came back. We'll talk about that and Anthony Davis and Pat Beverly and toilet paper. All that coming up next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel. We are in the stretch part of the NBA season. The games are coming down to the wire and it is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book and new customers get a no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars, a grand bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, safe, secure, really easy to use. And you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes drained, or get a little spicy with an exclusive bet like the two-by-three, two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes of the game. And FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to a 1000 Dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Um, so quick note on hey, there's been a, a lot of good stuff. I go go check our, our friend Cranjus McBasketball, Tim underscore NBA. Um, some of the guys at you know, Alex Regula does this kind of stuff all the time over at, at Silver Screen and Roll, but a lot of guys, people breaking down kind of the Lakers offense and what they've been doing. And one of the things that I think is interesting is much, much more structure to uh, the Lakers offense over the last you know few weeks, certainly compared to the beginning of the season where they're much more freelance based. But um, one of the things that certainly hurt the Lakers as much as anything on Sunday, before we get back to LeBron here, uh, Anthony Davis had eight shots, like eight. Um, and while apparently, again, some of the smarter people than me in breaking this stuff down indicated that what they were doing should have gotten them more shots for, for Davis than it did, 
I, these are the kind of things like these these games that go by where Anthony Davis's shot totals are, you know, eight is obviously absurd, but you know, you have 12, 15, whatever it is. Like they have to make sure um, that his engagement and his shot totals are what you expect and what you need from a superstar. You can, you know, 14 against, um, you know, against the Dallas in the game that they lost that night. You know, it's he's very efficient with what he's been doing. He's shooting 58% for this month. He needs more shots. Yeah, one thing I was thinking about, because we, we've talked, you know, at nauseum all season in terms of different ways to get AD going. And I, I've harped on the idea of looking to get him in motion more as opposed to camping him out on the block, you know, giving defenders the opportunity to swarm on him more, you know, leave – Sometimes I think that puts AD in a position where he has to be more decisive. And I I don't think quick decision-making is always AD's strength. He, he can be a little too methodical for his sort own Sort of good. depends on the night. But I, I mean, I agree yeah. with you. That it can be a problem. But the other thing I, I know we've talked about before is the idea that this team, particularly when LeBron isn't there or LeBron and D'Lo aren't there, you don't always have enough of the playmakers there to get the entry passes you know over the top to ad in a smooth position where he can immediately come down and attack stuff like that but i was also thinking about the idea that often when when you'll see the ad have the ball and he's got a double team on him and he doesn't want to attack the double team or he can't attack the double team he'll kick out and the ball swings it usually swings in a way where it's setting up a shot for a guard as opposed to the ball swinging around so you get a different re-entry for AD, like something we used to see all the time when we covered the Kobe Pow teams, those entry pa- those passes out of the post, whether from Bynum or from Pow or sometimes even Kobe, because Kobe operated in the post all the time, they were often coming out and swinging around so you'd have a different angle for that guy to keep operating out of the post. And you don't often see that with this team. You often see it so those swing-swing passes, which, don't get me wrong, that that can be great. There's not a lot of variety in terms of what happens with them. It's either a guard taking a shot, usually, like a guard or a swingman, or maybe even a guard attacking. But it's not usually to set AD back up again. And I don't have the prescription for making it happen. I'm just wondering... Is that something that doesn't happen enough? Well, I, I, they, they they do a good job, you know, finding open shots. But I think it's partially because teams are still conceding. You know, we'd rather have somebody on the Lakers shooting the ball from outside than Anthony Davis tearing us up inside. And whatever it is, and, you know, I think it's a combination of scheme. I think it's you know a combination of in-game adjustments. I think it's a combination of Anthony Davis and some of his um, his stuff. But like you know, margin for error, man. Um, can't have, you know, they need him up around 17, 18, 19, 20 shots a game because when he's doing that, you know, he's also getting the line more. He's also, you know, forcing himself that way. You know, you go back and you look at the game logs, um, you know, when he took 18 shots against New Orleans and that monster game he had there, he had 13 trips to the line. When he had 18 shots against Phoenix, he had 10 trips to the line. We had 10, uh, 21 shots against Oklahoma City. He had 11 trips to the line. And so, you know, it's the volume tends to come also with the type of aggressiveness and the type of opportunities that don't just end with field goal attempts. They, they end with him at the free throw line. And while 
you know, the results aren't perfect there. We'd all wish he was a little closer to the, that consistent 80% that he sort of had been uh, before joining the Lakers. Um, you know, he's still a 70 plus percent free throw shooter. And, you know, the Lakers need the as long points. as it's not in the last five minutes of the fourth right. quarter. That's true. Um, but at least for that other 43 minutes, he's, <laughs> he's pretty good. The overwhelming majority is fantastic. Right. I mean, look, if I was good, you know, if I could be good for that percentage of the time that I was doing things, um, I'd, I'd take it. Um, and just own the first 43 minutes in the and last, the last five, five minutes don't matter. Don't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it, it, those two things are tied together, you know, that, that sort of aggressiveness and, you know, where he's getting the ball and how and what just can't, they can't have another game like Sunday where he has, he's sitting on eight shots. That's just, that's just not acceptable. Um, anyway, back to LeBron. Um, the reporting around this was really interesting because Jovan noted in this story where he was talking about LeBron, I read the quote in the last segment um, that he had, you know, for example, kept Anthony Davis in the loop, like, throughout this process like you know he's he's given ad an idea of how things are going how things are feeling what he's been what he's doing for his rehab and all that stuff nobody thought he was playing on sunday i don't you know until he was done warming up nobody thought he was playing that was my suspicion so after. there was like there's somewhere between you know keeping guys i'm sure he's not like you know when the when the training staff darvin hand they see him working out they say it's it's not like the, there was no information. I can't believe that there's no information, but they were clearly all taken by a no, little bit of surprise. As far as this particular development, it sounds like it was closer to no information than fully informed. Like if you had to choose one or the other, it sounds like everybody involved was somewhere between reasonably surprised and pretty damn surprised that LeBron was going to play, especially, too, this gets exacerbated, and this is something that we talked about on Monday's show, by it being a 1230 tip. These are, there are certain things about the NBA, and I'll tie this back to the LeBron thing with this, uh, th that surprise you as you go along. One of them is, I, I think until you follow it more closely, you know, not, I don't mean just like, you know, we have it, but like as a fan, as a writer or whatever. So you're really following these details closely. You don't realize how little NBA teams even practice now during the season. Um, it was different in the eighties, different in the nineties, I'm sure. But like now teams really don't get a lot of practice games nope. or practice days in. So that first and foremost, it's not just a, nobody is practicing. Um, which is why those those stretches, you know, the Lakers had one earlier in the year where they had like five days in between games are so rare and so valuable. Um, but the other thing that is not what you would expect it to be is communication. And again, I don't know the exact even the Lakers knew enough to upgrade him from from out to doubtful on Saturday. So clearly they knew. Well, at least he's making some progress. And they obviously upgraded him before warm-ups to questionable. So they all they also knew on Sunday that things were improving more because he's being upgraded twice in, in 12 hours. Um, but communication broadly between players and teams, between coaches and players about you know playing time, about your spot in the rotation, about all this, uh, is not nearly as robust as you would think and this is something that i think has gotten significantly more amplified in the era of player empowerment and players having more of their own team you know their own teams 
of you know of guys around in their own training staffs, their own other. There is a lot less talking than you would think. Well, so it's while I I'm not totally sure that you're right that nobody knew what was coming on Sunday. No, actually, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Reading from Dan Wojcik, who covers the team from the LA Times, players inside the Lakers locker room didn't find out LeBron would, James would be back until after his pregame workout Sunday. The type of addition that does so much. Good long term while throwing short term into a bit of chaos. Right. Again, but it's it's the way Yovan didn't Yovan described it. The Yovan described it a little differently. And then the players not knowing that he was going to play is different than not knowing that he was getting close to coming back. Like there's just a lot to it. But the point is, like, it's not surprising to me that certainly the players were the guys just like once you get into the grind of this season, they don't even know what day it is. They don't know what city they're going to next. They just sort of do. Um, I mean, but sure, I, but I, I agree is- with This is something that needed to be communicated better because I think in part, I mean, or it seems like, I don't know if LeBron necessarily did anything quote unquote wrong with this. You know, I I do know that, for example, there had been a lot of caginess in terms of the details coming out from this. And remember LeBron had that tweet where he took umbrage at the reporting on this. And he's like, I speak for myself, right? which I, I, be clear, I had actually took as perhaps a sign that he was further behind in this than some of the than some of the reports because the reports had a pretty long runway in terms of when first he week of April, back. you know, right. second so, April, three four games left in the season, right? So it turned out he was he was ahead of that schedule, which in the long run is obviously good, but I just wonder if there was not really enough communication on this for everybody's own good, which again, I think played a role in overthinking how to handle LeBron's return with him coming off the bench, which if he's going to play 30 minutes again, I maintain makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. And I, I think I, I, I still did think. much more to throw the team into yet another layer of, we are not used to this. I just, I, I don't think that it does not seem like this was something that the team had really been preparing for. Like maybe they knew that LeBron was getting closer, but clearly nobody really came into this game with an even medium expectation that LeBron would play. Okay. So we'll finish, finish this point here in a second and then we'll talk a little Pat Bev as well. um, Next. Okay, so yeah, I I would say that if, if all of that is true, there, the the fault isn't so much that they couldn't figure it out on Sunday. The fault would be that they didn't have a plan just sitting there. Like if you know, like sure. for example, Anthony Davis's um, playing schedule four months in advance, you ought to have a couple things written down on a sheet of paper about you know what if LeBron can play, what are we going to do if he can only play, you know. 25 minutes you know do we want him to start do we want him to come off the bench i still think i, I don't think they i don't think they plan on playing him a half hour on sunday but i would say that the the real fault there is that they just uh, maybe just didn't have a plan coming in like to every game like some sort of contingency that, that's but why I, I, was... I just think the i think the adjustment was going to be a little clunky whether he started or whether he came right off the bench they're my point being, if it's going to be clunky no matter what, because he hasn't been there for 13 games, you might as well go for the smoothest entry possible. And to me, to me, this felt like a very last minute, holy bleep, LeBron's available. What do we do? We haven't played with him for a while. Let's just play him off the bench. Like, because it really doesn't make any sense unless he was going to have a strict 
minutes, which he clearly didn't, like unless it was he has to play 35 or less. You know what I'm saying? Like, No, it was I, a 40. Don't push him past 42. It was, look, until I learned something fairly definitive otherwise, more details, I'm just going to say this was both overthought and underplanned. Yeah, I, I I'm think not going to put I it all they on. Went, I think they went with the Ty Lue, uh, Kawhi Leonard thing of like when you map it out, if he's if we only get – 25 minutes with LeBron. We right. want him to be able to finish the game. The and difference between thing. that and Kawhi, though, is Kawhi had missed like a season and change. I understand that. Before that. I understand, but I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm guessing at the plan here and why they went with off the bench because, you know, because they also had the plan of, you know, you heard at the beginning of the game of him being able to finish the game uh, and play at the end of the fourth quarter. And, you know, not when he's, I'm not saying any of this worked. I'm just saying, this is what I think happened. Um, one of the other things, Andy, that happened in this game that got a lot of attention was Pat Bev uh, and his he hit a shot late over LeBron, um, kind of a pull up in the lane. It wasn't exactly like he challenged and went to his body and like went over him. But anyway, and then did the, the Pat Bev too, too small thing, too small to guard me. Um, there was a lot of that. Uh, talk about that play after the game. Uh, a lot of people talking then as well about his Charmin ad, <laughs> which, by the way, I completely missed. I had no idea Pat Bev did that. I had to go back and look it up. I missed um, that as well. Uh, Pat Beverly posted at Pe Pat Bev 21 picture of him in a car with a bunch of rolls of toilet paper, uh, Charmin specific, and this is important, uh, that they were Charmin as opposed to Cottonelle or whoever. Rolling back to Cali this weekend. Get your cameras out. Um, and then at Charmin, hashtag Charmin partner. Um, it's worth noting, too, that Pat Bev is not just playing the Lakers on his return to California. He's also playing the Clippers. Right. Another former team of his that, in Pat Bev's mind, I'm sure, gave up on him. Basically, the, the entire NBA calendar is, in one way or another, a revenge tour for Pat Beverly. Kind which, of. by the way, is just how he likes it. Um, he said afterwards that uh, it wasn't about trolling. He said, quote, I got paid a ton of money to post something. I was running late posting it like a week ago, and I didn't want the window to close. I'm not out here trying to troll anyone. I'm out here to be a basketball player. No, sir. You are out here to troll people. Here's, here's, <laughs> here's what I'll say about that. I think he's probably telling the truth that like he's got some sort of deal with Charmin and Charmin's like, you know, paying him to post stuff. And like, this is not unusual. Like guys, whatever, post this stuff out or whatever. And, you know, get, you get, get, we'll, we'll give you a big giant hunk of money um, for a tweet or an Instagram post or whatever. This is not uncommon. Um, I'll even take him at his word that, it wasn't sort of the primary reason that he put the thing up. Like he wanted to get paid. It's easy money. And I don't care how rich you are. Somebody wants to give you $50,000 for a tweet. <laughs> you say yes. I don't believe for a second Pat Bev didn't uh, at the very least appreciate the serendipity of the soft Charmin soft tweet. I'm on my way back to LA. So at best, uh, even if he wasn't out there, to troll people, he got to do it anyway. <laughs> no, he is. Look, 
I don't doubt in this particular that, instance. He's otherwise yeah, out there. He yeah. clearly was paid by Sharman because otherwise Sharman would have made a statement. We don't know who Patrick Beverly is. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, he, they they retweeted it. Like they've been having fun. This clearly was something that Pat Beverly worked out with Sharman, and good for him. But the dude was always out there trolling. He's been trolling ever since he got notoriety as a player. He's been trolling with his podcast. He is always out there creating content for the podcast. And we know this, by the way, because his statements on his podcasts, like, for example, just about his experience with the Lakers, often totally contradictory with the last time he was on the podcast talking about the Lakers. You know, he is both a troll and very much a stream of consciousness. Oh, speaker. and he was he was trolling before social media was even really a thing. And there's a few bits of commentary that I thought was really stupid about this. The first being, you know... Can you imagine like somebody doing the too short thing to, you know, Michael Jordan or Kobe or something like that? You know, like Pat Bev never would have dared do that to those guys. Sure, he would have. Um, but I will say this, you know, that, that that's all meant as a shot at LeBron. And, you know, like guys, it goes back to the, the conversation over the weekend. Nobody's scared of LeBron and all that kind of stuff. I do expect that LeBron could have a, 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 a at some point when he plows through uh, Pat Bev on Wednesday on a play, like there's going to be, I think, some kind of answer or response um, from LeBron that will be pointed, um, I, I would expect, on Wednesday. Well, we know because you can find YouTube clips of different players going at Michael, willing to poke the bear. It often didn't work out well for him, mm. but they sure did it, and people did it with Kobe. I mean, you know, Matt Barnes had the ball fake in Kobe's face. It ended up working out for Kobe. Ruben Patterson, Kobe, man. Ruben yeah, Patterson. Yeah, I mean, Chris Childs hit Kobe in the face. Like, <laughs> people were willing to test Kobe. They were willing to test Michael Jordan. I mean, my God, people would occasionally test Shaq, which is the dumbest thing I can think of anybody trying to do. But people would still do it. The other thing that was interesting from Pat Bev talking uh, about his Lakers experience after the Bulls win, he criticized how the Lakers used him. said, quote, mm. if I'm a spoon, Billy, being Billy Donovan, is using me as a spoon with the Lakers. I was a spoon and they were using me as a fork. It's just different. The other problem is they kept playing him with other uh, undersized utensils. That, yeah. that made it even worse. The whole the whole roster was forks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a roster full of forks. Um, Good just... Look, the Bulls have been legitimately better since Pat Beverly's arrival. He has won seven of nine. With, yes, with right. Sunday's win, they've now won seven of nine. He has helped with their defense. Like, he is obviously feeling himself, as Pat Bev always does. He will always convince himself that he is the primary reason that any team he is on is winning. He will also convince himself and tell you that any team that gets rid of him, that is the primary reason that they are losing games. Mm -hmm. It should be noted, though, the Lakers have been considerably better since trading Patrick Beverly. Everybody wins. You know what yeah. this is, Andy? It's the Sacramento-Indiana deal mm -hmm. <laughs> on a much, much smaller scale. Either way, this stuff is going to continue being spicy Wednesday in Chicago, and oh. I am here. I am here for it. Yeah, and it's a look. This is a big game. You know, the Lakers are playing better, but you know, Chicago, as we just said, playing very, very well. 
Um, and then you roll into Minnesota on Friday. And so, you know, some huge games uh, in front of the Lakers. I will say this. Uh, we did note that the Mavericks, um, a loss to Indiana would be a clear sign that perhaps they are done for the year. They are winning that game. So we'll see what happens by the end of it. But the Mavericks at least look like they might have recovered enough to beat a uh, Pacers team that doesn't have Buddy Heald or uh, Tyrese Halliburton or um, Turner, Miles Turner. So we'll see how that game ends. Real um, quick lot, before we go, yeah. um, just wanted to give a quick shout out to our buddy Kyle Goon. Who oh, yeah. Covered, covered the Lakers for five years with the Southern California News Group. And he tweeted out, He's a friend of the show, by the way. He's been with us a few times. At Kyle Goon, hi, folks, sharing some personal news. After five years, this is my last day covering the Lakers for the Southern California News Group. Sunday was my final game on the beat. I'll share more soon about my next chapter outside of L.A., but today I wanted to appreciate my time here. And then there's a tweet thread about his different experiences covering the team. And I'll be honest, I have no idea what's coming for Kyle next, nope. but – He's a great guy, has done a great job covering the team. He has been awesome to me and Brian, so just wanted to pay tribute to him here and wish him the best. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so we will be back uh, on Wednesday ahead of the big game in Chicago. See everyone next time.